Let us pray. Father God, in the name of your son, Jesus, we thank you for today, oh God. We thank you for waking us up, oh God. We thank you for keeping us closed in our right mind, Lord. And we ask that you intercede today that you step in, oh God, and I just be a vessel to you, shut down every spirit of flesh in me and go forth and minister your word as intended to your people. Amen, amen, and amen. Today, I want to talk to you about something that is the underlying cause and the root of many sins and many of our wrong decisions, our bad relationships, our family dysfunction, our spirit of procrastination, even racism, abuse, and manipulation, and unforgiveness, hatred, and debilitating insecurities, and even our lack of faith. I am talking about fear. God gave me this word, like I said, a week ago, and all week long, he's just been adding to it, adding to it about fear. He has been showing me how impactful and prominent it is in our lives to the point where most of us, we don't even recognize it. Most of us would be proud to say, I'm not fearful of anything. But as we go through this, I'm sure you're going to find some things that you say, hmm, didn't realize that that was rooted in a fear. 2 Timothy 1 and 7 tells us, For God hath not given us the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. Why is it that God has not given us a spirit of fear? God, like any other parent, won't give us what will harm us what will kill us, what will destroy us, what will make us not pursue purpose. Fear is a life-threatening disease. Now, fear for your physical safety in sight of danger, yes, that is reasonable fear. That is common sense to be scared. But the fear that I am talking about is the fear that produces evil, that produces sin, that embeds in various levels of insecurities. Fear can be like shackles that bind us to everything that goes against God and everything that God sent his son to free us from. Now, if you notice the scripture, it reads that God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power, love, and a sound mind. Power, love, and a sound mind is what fear comes to rob us of. Let me break down the impact of fear. Fear shuts down faith. As we act and react out of fear, that God won't do what he promised us that he would do. Many are lured into wrong relationships based solely on fear. Fear of being alone, fear of looking rejected, fear of lack, fear of no provision. Some suffer with fear of failure, so they never pursue purpose, living a stagnant, unfulfilled life. Fear bursts insecurities, which lays foundation for dysfunction and general 
and generational curses. People fear losing material possessions, status, titles, positions. Some fear change, not recognizing that change can be the evidence of prosperity. Change can be the evidence of greatness. Change can be the evidence of the presence of God. Prejudice and racism is also rooted in fear. The fear of change, the fear of loss, the fear of a shift in status. People do and don't do certain things out of fear of ridicule. They fear what people will say or what people will think. People have a fear of not being good enough. So any form of failure or anything that falls short of excellence steers them to various addictions and all kinds of sinful acts. Some fear we even instill in our children and it has been instilled in us and it has caused us to have certain views and, and standpoints on things which don't necessarily align with the will of God which is why the word of God tells us that life and death is in the power of our tongue so even when we speak to our children and our grandchildren we need to make sure that we're inputting in them wisdom but not a fear that is going to enable it Believe it or not, just like some suffer from fear of failure, there are those who suffer from fear of success. Because with success comes responsibility. And with success, some have it embedded deep in their subconscious that is just a matter of time before they fail. As we turn the pages of the Bible, there are several people in the Bible who had to overcome the spirit of fear. And had they not pushed past fear, we would not be talking about them over 2,000 years later. Moses had to face his fear. When God gave him the assignment to free the Israelites, Moses suffered from the fear of thinking he wasn't good enough. He said to God in Exodus chapters 3, Who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the Israelites out of Egypt? Moses' fear was based on his insecurities. And it put his insecurities on blast. Even as we turn to chapter 4, his insecurities and his fear was still very prevalent. Because he's still trying to convince God that he is not the one for this assignment. He says to God, pardon your servant, Lord. I have never been eloquent, neither in the past nor since you have spoken to your servant. I am slow of speech and tongue. We cannot allow fear to monopolize us. Faith in God is the only thing that we should allow to consume us. Faith in the fact that he has promise to never leave or forsake us. Faith that through whatever the storm, God can provide the, out, the umbrella and the shelter that we need to keep the storm from taking us out. God reminded Moses of this as he says, who gave human beings their mouths? Who makes them deaf or mute? Who gives them sight or makes them blind? 
is it not I, the Lord? And then he said to him, now go, and I will help you speak, and I will teach you what to say. When fear comes and tries to keep you from moving forward, let the word of God speak to you like it did Moses. And remember what God said to him, now go, and I will help you. God's help is always available, which makes fear only as relevant as you allow it to be. Fear is powerful, so powerful that some use it to manipulate the minds and the moves and the actions of others. Hate groups, cults, and false religions all are rooted in fear. The fear of change or the fear of loss. The foolishness that we just seen carried out at the state capitol was rooted in manipulation through the onset of fear. Fear will manipulate the mind to think that one can pursue righteousness while doing wrong, just to shield oneself from the destructive outcome that they have manipulated and imagined in their own minds. Fear by manipulation started in the Garden of Eden. Remember, the serpent led Eve to fear that something was being held from them, something that could benefit them. And as the manipulation stood on the shoulders of fear, it provoked Adam and Eve to sin against God, to go against the word of God, to doubt God's intentions, to doubt God's provisions. When someone approaches you trying to get you to buy into any kind of fear, stop, stand back, and evaluate. Ask yourself, is this fear challenging my faith in God? Who benefits from me adopting such fear? And is this fear rooted in selfishness or a deeper dysfunctional aspect of fear? Matthew 17, I'm sorry, Matthew 7, 15 through 19 speaks of false prophets. And when the Bible talks about false prophets, it's not just referring to those who speak falsely from the pulpit. It is speaking of liars who steer you into believing what is against the word or the will of God. The scripture tells us to beware of liars whose mouths are dripping with practiced sincerity. It goes on to say that chances are they're out to rip you off only looking out for their best interests. I love reading it in the message translation because it just makes it so relevant. The word of God reminds us not to be impressed with words that come out of the mouth of people, but to look at their character, to look at their level of integrity, to put very little stock in what someone says. The word of God goes on to tell us that a genuine leader will never exploit emotions. In other words, a genuine leader will never ignite fear. And finally, the scripture says, these liars are like diseased trees with bad apples and they will be chopped down and burned. Hmm. What a word for this past week, huh? 
we have to begin to recognize fear also as, a, as the tool of manipulation and stop and ask ourselves these questions. If we did stop and ask questions and everybody that was presented with something that they should fear, maybe evaluating and asking these questions, maybe racism would be less. Maybe we would have less hate groups. Maybe politics would be more palatable. Now, unforgiveness is also something that God wants to dispel, as it too is rooted in fear. We can't seem to forgive because we are fearful of being hurt again. We can't seem to forgive because we are fearful of being made a fool. We are fearful of being ridiculed. So we hold on to unforgiveness, which often spearheads bitterness, which drives us to a place of loneliness, unhappiness, and living out our lives without ever coming close to God's ordained purpose. Some can't even forgive themselves for the mistakes and the mishaps that they have made. Some of us, once we fail, allow fear to set in as it encourages us to avoid wholeheartedly putting our efforts into anything, never pursuing our heart's desires or God's purpose for our lives. Failure is a tool for growth. Remember that because in failure, you should learn something. Don't allow it to be a platform by which fear builds its home. Failed marriages put fear in folks, and it also adds to the stew bitterness and resentment. You have women turn into women and men turn into men out of fear, trying something different, thinking they may avoid failure and the pain associated with the failed relationships that they previously had. Don't allow fear to steer you on the road of life. Own your mistakes. Make wiser choices next time. Seek to do things according to the will and the ways of God. When you fear failure based on past mistakes, you have given the spoils to Satan, and he wins. Forgiving yourself is a surefire way to shut down fear. It assures you that you won't begin to nurture insecurities. Forgive yourself and move on. And don't let anyone keep you bound to your mistakes. Don't let anyone keep reminding you of your mistakes. In Matthew 18, 21, Peter asked Jesus, How often shall I forgive one who sins against me? Jesus answered 70 times 7. So I say to you today, forgive yourself that much. How about that? I'm going to be very, very transparent with you all right now. I have had repeated failed relationships, one after another, and marriages. I did none of them according to the mandate of God. I didn't seek God's face. I didn't seek his word. I didn't seek his blessings or his approval concerning not one of my relationships. I'm not bragging on that. I'm just being real. Now that I have gotten into the word, 
I had to own that. I had to own those mistakes and look back and blame them on blame my mistakes on nobody but me. I had to come to terms with my ungodly ways of approaching relationships. Now that I have picked up the mantle of ministry, I'm not going to say that I absolutely would not marry again. But what I will tell you is that I'm not seeking anyone's approval, nor am I fearful of anyone's ridicule. I'm not actively seeking a relationship because ministry right now, where I am, has to come first. So I'm going to be like Ruth. I will put my efforts into working in God's field. And if he sends me a Boaz, I will welcome him with open arms. What I want you to understand in dealing with your relationships, because you have people that are really stuck in bitterness after being in relationships that failed. I just don't believe that one's life, that they can go through life and experience relationships by their own standards and fail. And then when they decide to walk according to the will of God, he would not allow them to experience love and relationships his way. My Aunt Dolores, who my mother used to say, I was so much like, <laughs> like, and also did relationships all her life her way. But at 71 years old, when she wasn't even seeking a relationship and she had begun drawing closer to God, he sent her the love of her life. And I remember her telling me that her husband, at 71 years old, was the only man that she had ever sincerely loved. I'm muddling here on relationships because it is one of folks' biggest struggles. And it's because we approach our relationships often out of fear. Fear of being alone. Fear of being that third wheel in the circle of your friends. Fear of rejection. Fear of lack of provision. Some stay in marriages and relationships that are spiritually, emotionally, and even physically detrimental for these same reasons. And we even sin against the will of God concerning saving our bodies for marriage because the world has put a fear in us that no one is going to be serious about what they haven't tested out. So out of fear, we play according to Satan's rules regarding relationships, shutting down our faith in the fact that God created marriage. So his manual is really the only certified, approved guide. The only fear we as believers should maintain is the fear of God Almighty. And this is not a fear that is associated with acting or being scared. It is an act of reverencing God, his word and his will. The fear of God is different because it leads us away from sin. The fear of God shuts down insecurities and exalts faith in him. The fear of God annihilates racism and hate and lifts up love and compassion. 
The fear of God is when one acknowledges the magnitude of his grace and his mercy and can't conceive living without it. The fear of God comes when you embrace his word and realize that it is true and that one day you will have to stand before him on judgment day. And just the thought of being turned away from his presence and not having access to spend eternity with our creator, with our sustainer, our provider, our comforter, the King of Kings, and the Lord of Lords is unbearable. That is where the fear of God comes from. In closing, I want to leave you with two scriptures about fear. 1 John 4 and 18, and it reads, There is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear. For fear has to do with punishment, and whoever fears has not been perfected in love. In other words, you have to understand that to be perfected in love is to be grounded in your faith in God because God is love. The second scripture that I want to read before closing out is Isaiah 41 and 10. And it says, Fear not, for I am with you. Be not dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. God is saying that you can go ahead and tell fear to find another home. Because you have invited God, who is your helper, who has promised to uphold you. You have invited him into your life. And that on his word, you place your life. Let us pray. Father God, in the name of Jesus, we thank you for your word today. We thank you for not giving us a spirit of fear. We come to you, God, asking you to help strengthen our faith in you. For we know that it is our faith in you that will cast out and shield us from all aspects of fear. God, we want to walk by faith and not by sight, because sight invokes fear. Guide us, O Lord. Protect us, O Lord. Keep us safe as you hold us close to your bosom. Amen, amen, and amen. I hope you take the time to listen to this message again, and I don't even know why I'm saying this, and to pinpoint any hidden fears that you may have that may have you shackled or may be keeping you from moving forward in some things that God wants you to move on. This Sunday, I'm going to do what we used to do. In the next hour or hour and a half, you will receive a text message with the link to this message. And I'm asking each of you to post it on your social media and share it by forwarding it via text message to at least five people asking them to also share with five people. Share with those that you deem as so very confident and who walks in such confidence. Because the truth is, they are the ones that tend to be harboring the most fear. Once you share, you're likely to get feedback thanking you for sharing. 
for more people are dealing with some aspect of fear than you could ever imagine. Again, I thank you for joining me. I do not take it lightly that you take your time to come on the line and hear the word of God as ministered to me. If you would like to give to Bible Deliverance Church, you can do so at www.bibledeliverance.org. If you want someone to partner with you in prayer, you can start that process on our line as well. If you would like to partner with this ministry and become a member of this ministry, you can also do that online. Again, I thank you for joining me today and have a blessed, blessed day and look out for that text message. Have a wonderful afternoon. Bye-bye.